to do today. We get to reflect on um, Palm Sunday, the, the Sunday that Jesus rode into Jerusalem as a victorious king. And uh, so that's what we're going to do today. I, I love this week. This is one of the biggest weeks in, uh, I guess you would say, the church. So many things go on beginning today with Palm Sunday, and then of course you have, you know, leading up to the crucifixion, and then the crucifixion happened, and then we know that there was a period of time there where Jesus was conquering death, hell, and the grave, and then on Sunday, he arose. And uh, I was, you know, you, you hear all the things with Easter coming up, and it's on April Fool's, and you hear all the cheesy pastor jokes that Satan thought he would had won, but April Fool's, Jesus rose again, and so what Satan was wrong, you know, um, but we get to celebrate all of those things. And I want to invite you this week, if you have an opportunity with any of these things that Matt talked about just a little bit ago, Wednesday night, stuffing the eggs for the kids, because that's going to be an opportunity for us to present the gospel, or Thursday night, going door to door to invite our neighbors, or Friday um, with the crosswalk. You can be involved in any of those things. And then, of course, there's a big team of people helping out Friday night with the flashlight egg hunt as we uh, minister to the kids and let them have some fun and adults as well. Um, and then Sunday, two services. Woo! This is going to be a big step. And I just, can I just take a moment to thank you so much for, especially everybody you've been in all these meetings that have been going on and just helping pray and prepare the way. Um, of course, you never know how things are going to turn out until they unfold. But man, leading up to this point, I just thank you for your heart to serve the people of God and to also make room. We feel that that's what the Lord is saying. We're just, we're making room. So 9 o'clock and 1045. Um, so if you still show up at 1030, you're going to be early for church. So that's cool if you're coming to the second service. But uh, we'll start 9 o'clock uh, next Sunday. Sunrise service, we have that that's going on as well. Again, if you can help out sunrise service, we're going to meet at Bellingham Park at 630. And I already have a truck. My man Nathan uh, has agreed to bring the tables back. Last week I said that the worship team, we're going to have to get back here early. So if you don't have to be at the first service next week and you can hang out at the park to help kind of pack up our tables, that will be great. And uh, Nathan has, he's the one with the big red loud truck, louder than mine. And it's just, he pulls in and you're just, you can just feel your chest hair growing or something when he pulls in with that thing, but um, it's, it's pretty cool. Obviously, it doesn't work for the top of your head, but um, uh, mine and Doug's anyway and several other people, Chad, so uh, Jack. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go, but it, it, we're in exciting times, church. This is just so exciting, and so um, it, it's going to be good. Here's what I want, I want to give just a little bit of instruction to uh, regarding this. We recognize that we may get two weeks into this, and we may need to make a few changes with volunteers or just how we're doing things. All I ask is let's just be patient during this first month, especially as we're adjusting to two services, and um, man, we're going to make it through. It's going to be it's going to be exciting. So you ready? All right, me too, me too. Well, let's keep going in this series today. Um, we're talking about we're equipped and we're empowered too, and we're figuring what that is each and every week. And so I sensed that this week there was a particular direction I was going to go, but halfway through the week I thought, you know, we need to change that up just a little bit. And I, I did want to specifically focus in on um, the triumphant entry with it being Palm Sunday. If you want to turn to Mark chapter 11, you can do that. We'll get there here in just a few moments. Um, also, if you want to put your finger in Matthew 21, we'll get there as well. That's the other portion of Scripture that talks about the triumphant, in, uh, triumphant, 
triumphant entry. Yeah, easy for me to say, isn't it? Interestingly enough, uh, this account is mentioned in all four Gospels. Now, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not all four Gospels tell the exact same stories, or if they do, they don't necessarily tell them the exact same way because the different writers were writing to different groups of people. So, but the triumphant entry is one that you will find in all four Gospels, and we're just we're going to take some from these um, first two today, Matthew and Mark, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about. But today we are going to see that we are equipped and we are empowered to triumph. Who likes losing? Look at the show of hands that are in here today. No one likes losing. No one likes uh, being disgraced. Anyone like being disgraced in here? Show of hands this morning. Yeah, no one likes being disgraced, right? So, but who likes winning? You, you, you just, you like it when your team wins. I mean, if you're working in NASCAR here, you know, if uh, Eric Almarola wins tomorrow when they run the race, you're going to be happy, Danny. You know, you're working on his car or any of the SHR cars, right? Any of those win. Eric, he's like, no, let's go Team Penske, whatever your team is. Uh, even um, Big Bill over here, he's, you know, cheering on his guys. And right, because I mean, when you win, you get more money. Who doesn't like that? Uh, or you get bragging rights, you know, you get bragging rights if your team wins. But we do not like to be disgraced. Now, here's the interesting thing Jesus went through both of these scenarios in one week. He had his triumphal entry that you just kind of saw depicted just a little bit, where Jesus comes riding in uh, to town and everybody is shouting, Hosanna. And it was just a few days later, they were yelling, Crucify him. He went, we hear all kinds of stories of being where you go from zero to hero. He went from hero to zero in a matter of days, according to public interaction that he was having there. Well, this week, as we said, or this event happens one week before the crucifixion. Um, the reaction of the crowd that we're going to read about is far different than what would happen a few days later. And the scripture that we're going to read here shows a victorious, triumphant parade in honor of the one Jesus who had raised a dead man from the grave. This had not happened. Jesus came. Many people knew that he had raised a dead man from the grave. Not only that, several of these people had seen him open blind eyes. They had seen him open the ears of people who couldn't hear. They had seen him heal someone who was brought to him on a mat. All kinds of amazing stuff that if you and I saw today, and some of us have seen this type of stuff, we would just go, we would, wow, how in the world does that happen? This must be the Son of God. So here are, is the reception and the welcome that he is getting because they know there's something different about this man. Many of them believe that he is the Son of God. Others think he's a great prophet that God is working through. And others, of course, are skeptics, while yet others are very threatened by his very presence. And they think, well, there's something to this guy. We just don't know what it is. But he is impeding on our prestige. He is impeding on our power and influence. He's impeding, what it got down to is he's impeding on our wallet. He's impeding on all these type of things. So those were the different scenarios. But let's look. Um, I had you turn to Mark chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 1. And for right now, we're just going to read uh, through verse 7. And I want us to look at we're equipped and we're empowered to triumph today. 
Because of that, what we're going to see is God causes us to triumph as well. Do we have difficulties? Do we have defeats in life? Absolutely we do. But we're going to see how because Jesus triumphed, we are able to triumph as well. So the first point that we're going to see is that the pathway to triumph, first of all, must submit to the Lord. You know, there, there is a teaching that goes around in church today that uh, the Christian life is good, it is prosperous, and that's what you should expect. Anything else, then you're not living your life correctly. Uh, well, that's not always the case. There are struggles that we go through. There are trials and temptations. There's a sense of repentance that we have to have. This thing of living a victorious life is not automatic that we just live however we want to, right? And expect the, all the blessings of God to just flow. No, there has to be a heart that's after God. There has to be a heart that understands uh, what the Word of God says, and that's what we're after. So, so let's look at this here. The pathway to triumph submits to the Lord. Mark 11, starting in verse 1, it says, As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he said to them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street tied outside uh, the front door. And as they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? They said, what Jesus had told, they said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. So let's look at a few things here when it comes to that submission to the Lord. First of all, the disciples submitted. Has anyone ever asked you to do something just outlandish and just absolutely crazy? Will you go and do such and such? Will you do that? And you're thinking, you're absolutely crazy if you think I'm going to go do that. That just... That just sounds insane, right? So that's what you're thinking. Let's ask you this for a moment. Have you ever felt the Lord asking you to do something that simply didn't make sense? Yeah, you hear a few on that. Yeah, the Lord just asked you something. Uh, that's going to put my reputation on the line, Lord. Well, what was your response? So this request required the disciples to ask a strange question that the Holy Spirit had prepared someone else to hear. So that was the beauty of it. Although God had asked them to submit in an area that seemed outlandish, God had already prepared the hearts of the people where they were to go. So when God asks you to do something that may just seem far-fetched and you're sure that it's God, this is encouraging us, if we want to be triumphant, if we want to see the victory happen in our life or even someone else's life, that we submit to him and we do what he is asking. And it may be such a simple thing as go pray for so-and-so because they're not feeling well today and they, they need to be healed in Jesus' name. What is your victory? One, you submitted to the Lord. What is the other victory that comes about? Healing in Jesus' name for the person that you went to. Amen? So let's look at the submission of the, the, the people who were guarding the cult there, possibly the owners of the cult that was there. Here's a question I have for you. Who told these men and women, whoever was gathering there, who told them that two men were coming to untie the colt and take it? Jesus hadn't gone into town ahead of them. 
They had to have heard that through the Holy Spirit. There had to be something that just sat right in their spirit that said, you know what, Here, maybe it was a dream that they had. You know, often God would appear to like Mary and Joseph at this particular time when they were having Jesus. The, they, God would send an angel and he would prepare their hearts. So maybe these folks had a dream, but somehow they heard that you're going to see two men. They're going to come here and they're going to ask for that colt and you permit them to take it. Because if you see someone taking your property today, <laughs> what are you going to do? The other day I had to, we were preparing for the wedding and everything, and, and there were some things going on, and so um, I had to go out to, to the property there, and I was up at the Stowe's house, and I was looking in the back of Mr. Stowe's truck, and Miss Vicky wasn't sure who it was, so she comes out there <laughs> around the other side, and she, and she kind of had that look like, what are you doing? And she, you know, she, she thought it was me. But I was, I was on the way home, I didn't tell you this, but I was on the way home and I was thinking, man, she is one bold woman. You know, who knows who I was out there, what I had, but she, was, she would have melted the gun of the robber's hand, I'm sure, just with the look in her eyes. So I want to encourage you, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you to give something or to do something that seems way out there, be submitted to what he's saying, because you don't know the blessing that it's going to offer. A heart that is submitted is a heart that triumphs in the things of the Lord. Amen? A heart that is submitted is a heart that triumphs in the things of the Lord. So listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit when he prepares you and asks you to do something that seems strange. If you know it's the Lord. If you know it's the Lord. So the pathway to triumph first of all, must submit to the Lord. And we just saw two groups of people here, the disciples and those who owned the cult, who submitted to the Lord and said, have your way. Interestingly enough, by the way, um, just a little tidbit of information, why does it say in there that, that this cult had never been ridden? Why was that important? Well, because as you read about sacrifice, it was always a perfect animal that was the firstborn that had never had anything done to it. You know, it was, it was just, it was the best of the offerings that you would give to the Lord. In the same way, this colt was offered for the Lord's service. What's another thing that's very interesting that we're going to get to here in just a moment? And that's number two. The pathway to triumph is proceeded in humility. The pathway to triumph is preceded by humility. So first of all, let's look at through humility for a moment. I had you hold your finger in Matthew 21, so keep your place in Mark. Don't lose that place, okay? But let's go to Matthew 21 quickly and look at verse 4 there. Because Matthew's gospel adds a little something extra here. Matthew 21 verse 4 and verse 5 says this. Um... This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, The people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. So humility, here's what humility is. It's considerate, it's unassuming, it's gentle, it's mild, and it's meek. We talked about this last week. Jesus, um, the people who were expecting Jesus, they were looking for a political deliverer who would come in and who would overthrow the army that was holding them captive and, and making them slaves and all these different things. They were looking for someone to come and, and just totally set them free. But Jesus' triumph came through humble wisdom and penetrating love. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. I'll say it again. Jesus' triumph 
came through humble wisdom and penetrating love. There's two things there as we talk about the pathway to triumph is preceded by humility. Jesus' triumph came through, came through humble wisdom and penetrating love. Now, we've all seen those braggadocious athletes and teams that are hyped up and they declare victory before the game, haven't we? And we even know some fans of those teams, right, Chad? That they will call you the night before a big game and they will say, go Syracuse, go Big Orange, they are going to whoop up on Duke. And they, these people assure you that their team's going to win. They just, they know their team's going to beat Duke. They're not humble in spirit. They're not wise in their braggadociousness. Are you a Duke fan? I'm not a Duke fan, no. Actually, be honest with you, I was pulling for Syracuse too. But anyway... But we know people, they'll declare victory before it even happens. And, and it's that braggadociousness that, that comes about. And, and it, it can, if it's not laughable, it can be irritating, right? And of course, we all, we have fun here with our different sports and everything. But, but you see what I'm saying here? Yeah, see, there's the love that's flowing right there. <laughs> but we know those braggadocious athletes and teams that are hyped up, they declare victory uh, before the game even begins. They are equally as obnoxious after a win. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus teaches that the pathway to triumph in the kingdom of God is through humility, is through that idea of serving and that idea of loving no matter what. And Matt, I, I mean, I don't know how everybody thought I was talking about you, but anyway, yeah, I love you, brother. And, and Chad loves you, too. See, Chad could have been very braggadocious. Oh, he was? Okay. <laughs> the pathway to triumph in the kingdom of God is preceded by humility. Let's look at this. Point number three. The pathway to triumph prepares the way for the Lord. The pathway to triumph prepares the way for the Lord. So let's go back to Mark's account. So I had you to keep your place there in Mark chapter 11. Let's go back there, and we'll pick up with the story in verse 8. It says, Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches uh, that they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting. And here's what they were saying. Um, they were saying, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David, praise God in the highest heaven. So here's our, here, here are the things that, that they were saying um, at this point. Uh, let's keep going. I want to go through verse 11 here as well. It says, so Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple and after looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. So let's look at, look at this for a moment as we are going through the pathway to triumph prepares the way for the Lord. So I want us to look at a couple of these things here. How the people prepared the way for the Lord was this. One was with their possessions. They would, they would prepare the way for the Lord with their possessions. What did they do? They went into the fields and they would, hopefully it was their own or maybe they got permission to get them, but they would get these palm branches. Some would load, load, uh, lay down their, 
their coats along the way. They were just preparing a way as Jesus came in. As he made his triumphant entry, they were saying things like this. We recognize you as the King of Kings. We recognize you as the Lord of Lords. We recognize you as the one who saves. The crowds laid down the possessions, the things important to them in order to honor Jesus. We see the owner of the, um, of the cult as well. He did the exact same thing. You can have this because we are honoring you. Now, did Jesus keep this cult? No, he didn't. It went back to the owner. Uh, we understand that that happened. But they laid down their possessions, the things important to them, in order to honor Jesus. What are the possessions that maybe we're withholding? And maybe it's not necessarily a... Um, it could be something like even our own life, our own desires. You know, God, you can't have this area of my life because this is something I, I just want to hold. Everybody's got to have a vice, and this is mine. Everybody's got to have this area of my life that I just want to hold on to, and this is mine. Everybody has their own sin. Don't judge mine. This is my area. That could be a possession. It could be material things where God has said, you know what, you have a couple of those. Here's someone who is in need. Would you consider giving those particular things? Maybe it's the tithe. Again, this is not a message about money today. You guys, I, I talk very little about money, but the Bible talks a whole lot about it. What do you do with your first fruits? What do you do with the tithe that God has said, okay, I have blessed you with your job. Give 10% of the first fruits, and the rest of the 90% will be blessed. Are you willing to do that? That's what God is calling. And what is that? At the end of the day, it's a heart of obedience to the Lord. It's really not about the money. It's about a heart of obedience. The possessions, the crowds laid them down. So that is uh, the pathway to triumph prepares the way th for the Lord. You prepare through giving of your possessions. We also prepare through worship. I love singing with you on Sunday morning, but I love singing in my truck. I love singing in the shower. I love singing, you know, all the different places that you sing. Uh, it, it's that worship. What else is worship? Well, let's go back to giving. That's a form of worship. What else is worship? It's serving other people. Um, using the gifts that God has given you to honor the Lord. That is worship unto God. So the pathway to triumph prepares the way for the Lord through our worship. Here's what they were shouting. They were shouting Hosanna. The literal translation for Hosanna is save now. Let's back up again to last week. They were looking for a political leader, weren't they? They were looking to someone to save them from their symptoms. But Jesus had come to get to the root of the situation, which was he needed their heart. Israel had gone so many times from the Lord. They had strayed away so many times, which is why time after time after time after time after time, they ended up in captivity. There are so many people in the church today, and when I say church, you understand I'm saying the global church, who walk around in captivity because of sins, because of choices to not honor and follow the Lord. And there's that captivity that's there, that's binding them. But why did Jesus come? Well, when they said, Hosanna, they were saying, save now. And Jesus said, I'm about to, but not in the way you think. The way that I am coming to save you is going to be from yourself, from your sins, from the things that hold you back from being triumphant and victorious. 
it's such a hard pill for me to swallow to know that usually I'm responsible for my own defeat. Usually I'm responsible for not being victorious. That's a hard pill to swallow. But Jesus was coming to say, I'm going to die, and when I die upon the cross, I'm going to take all your sins upon myself. You receive that life, and you will be triumphant and victorious where it really, really matters. And it's just that response of, Jesus, I receive you as Lord and Savior. I repent of my sin. It's what Romans talks about. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, those sins and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, it says you shall be saved. So we shout out, Hosanna. How do I prepare the way for the Lord? With my possessions and with my worship. Lord, save now. Here's another thing that um, how we prepare the way for the Lord. You'll notice in verse 11 there, let me read that again. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went to the temple, and after looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. How we prepare the way of the Lord is by preparing the temple. Now, we prepare the sanctuary here. You know, we prepare the kids' buildings. We do all these things. We're making preparation for two services. But the New Testament goes on to talk about your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. See, the presence of God, before Jesus came, the presence of God dwelt in the temple so to speak. Obviously, he superseded the temple, but that's where his presence was recognized. But when Jesus came, we know that the veil, we're going to talk, I think we're going to get into this next Sunday, but we understand that when Jesus died upon the cross, it says that veil that separated the presence of God from the people was torn in two from top to bottom. The veil that separated the God from the people was not torn bottom to top. Why is that significant? Because Let's just say it's up way up there. That's how high the temple was. I can take it and, you know, I can have Doug hold one side and I take the other. And we, we pull until it starts to rip and it'll go all the, all the way up. That signifies that this was from heaven to earth where that veil was torn. Praise God for that. And what happened because of that? There was access granted because sins were forgiven. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit and must prepare our hearts, and our lives every single day, not just Sunday, but every single day, we must prepare our, um, our hearts before the Lord, prepare our bodies. Um, what are the idols of worship that are set up in our temple? This week, I had the pleasure of uh, speaking at the um, ecumenical services that we just finished up and Priscilla came and she sang little Miss Disney Princess voice over here and just really opened up the the heart of of the people because we you know I joke with her about I'm serious about her voice but there's such an anointing that accompanies that as well and it just opened up the hearts of the people and I was able to talk about um Stasha and actually Stasha was sharing with me they, they really invited Stasha to come speak and so she needed me to read scripture, so I was able to have a microphone too. But um, what we were talking about in there, we, we got to this point in, as we're talking about preparation, but when David sinned against the Lord with Bathsheba, notice who did David sin against? The Lord. With Bathsheba, he prayed this prayer afterward. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and take not your holy presence from me. 
Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. See, part of that humility, part of that triumph that came was through forgiveness because even David had set up an idol in his life. And let's be real for a moment. That idol was a woman that was not his. It was, so it can be anything. Um, it, can, from, it can be these little devices that we keep in our pocket. You ought to see the screensaver that my 13-year-old put on here. Nathan's a bodybuilding guy, so I'm glad you didn't see that. But it can be these little things right here. These can be idols. Uh, work. You know, work can be an idol as well. Where do you get your worth from? Work or from the Lord? So idols can be anything. What are the idols of worship that are set up in our temple? Here's what Jesus did in, uh, as you go on down through verse uh, 15. You will see that he prayed, he observed, and verse 11 as well. He prayed, he observed, and he cleared the temple. So here's what we need to do as we are preparing the way for the Lord. First of all, we need to pray like David did. Search my heart, O God. See if there's any wicked way within me. We need to observe, okay? Lord, now these are the things that you're pointing out. Ooh, that one hurt a little bit. Oh, really? I didn't realize that I had set that up as an idol. You begin to observe these things and clear the temple. Lord, I'm doing away with those things that destroy my relationship with you or that rob my relationship with you because it's not worth it. I want to triumph, so I'm going to prepare the way for the Lord. And that's in my own life and in my own heart. Received a text this morning that goes along with this, and I have said this many times, and I, I actually wasn't sure that I was going to share it in here this morning, but I've shared this before a couple of different times. And I want us to take this week, as we're leading up to the resurrection, I think one of the, here, here's, let, me, let me speak for me. A valuable experience I have gained through joining with the other denominations is understanding things like Ash Wednesday, repentance. Things like um, we want to celebrate Resurrection Sunday because it's exciting. But what about mourning on Friday? Because recognizing the sin that Jesus had to come and die for. I've developed a great appreciation for that and what all it, what all it stands for. 1 Corinthians 10, 20, and 21 uh, is part of our reading this morning. And Paul was talking to the Corinthian church about the different sacrifices that they were bringing to the Lord. And he says, not all, not at all. I'm saying that these sacrifices that are offered to demons not to God, okay? So they're talking about what kind of food you eat. If you eat, if at this particular time in history, uh, they would go to the market, they would buy meat, and if it had been offered to idols, they wouldn't eat it because they thought that, you know, it would be dishonoring to the Lord. And Paul said, well, if you don't know about it, don't worry about it, you know, just unless it really affects your conscience. So he goes on to say, I don't want you to participate. Here's what it is. I don't want you to participate with demons. He says, you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and the table of demons too. We're going to be having communion next week. And here's something that I do. Again, this needs to be done every day. But especially when we come to the table 
on Easter Sunday, with it being Easter Sunday, but Communion Sunday, and we're taking the bread that represents Jesus' body that was broken for our healing, and we're taking the juice which represents Jesus' blood that was shed for our salvation. Am I coming in with a double life? And again, I'm not, this is not pointing fingers at everybody. I remember my mom. She said, if you point at someone, you have three fingers pointing right back at yourself. Anybody else's mom ever tell you that? Um, but when I come to, on a Sunday morning, I'm coming here to worship the Lord. And what are those idols that are in my life that is not allowing me to triumph? And here's the part that I've said that I've read before, that I've mentioned before here, and, and the person who sent me this felt the same thing, just, again, for whatever this is worth, as you hear this this morning. When I read this this morning, my heart fell. I believe that there are people playing with God's grace. You've heard me say that before. And when I read this, I'm reading this to David. I'm not reading this to Abundant Life. I'm reading this to David. I believe that there are people playing with God's grace. I believe God is calling... David to repentance. I'm praying for ears to be open, hearts to receive, and God to grant repentance. This came this morning, just a few days after I had rewritten this message in this particular part. Pray, observe, and clear the temple. God has caused us to triumph. So next Sunday is going to be a triumphant day, not because we're going to two services, but because Jesus has risen. Jesus has prepared the way, and my heart must be prepared and free from sin as a believer, yes, to be triumphant in everything that God has called me to. Point four, triumph requires a death, dot, 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 which leads to life. Next Sunday, as we celebrate the fact that Jesus died and rose again, I understand this, that Jesus said many times in the Bible and throughout the Gospels, he would say things, if you want to find your life, you must lose it first. In other words, Lord, I'm going to put down my desires and allow your desires to become my desires. Your will now, does that mean we can't have hobbies? Does that mean we can't go enjoy the things that we want to enjoy? Well, no, it doesn't mean that at all unless they're taking the place of God, unless they're taking time, you know, where we're, we're not with the Lord. Because I enjoy, man, there's so many things I enjoy doing, uh, hanging out with my boys, my wife, uh, hanging out with you guys. We're, we're looking at May. We want to go do some skeet shooting. And all the guys said, yeah, you know, blow up some gunpowder, different things like that. I enjoy doing those type of things. So we're not preaching against that. We're talking about what are the areas in my life that I'm saying, God, I know what th this is what you're saying, but I don't know that I want to go that direction because it's going to require too much. Here's what I appreciate about the heart of abundant life. We're going to two services and look, listening to the leaders and listening to you all, you're right on board there. You're like, you know what, let's go do it. We weren't sure how it was going to look and talk. Hey, would you mind for, you know, anytime you serve, would you serve both services just on that particular Sunday? Because we're thinking, you know, you, you want to come to the first service and then you, then you, then you can leave. Or uh, you'll, come, you'll sleep in, then you'll come to second service. But again, on the particular service that you're, Sunday that you're serving, you're like, yeah, we'll do two services. No problem. We'll do that. That's a heart that is prepared for triumph because you have prepared the way 
for the Lord, not David's vision. I believe this is the Lord's vision to make room for people. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for being ready to triumph in the things of God. So triumph requires a death which leads to life. Church, I can't wait to see the results in six months to a year of what God has done. People that have come into the kingdom of God because we were obedient in this area that where, where really God's saying just one more hour of your time on Sunday morning is all I'm asking. One more hour. How many hours are in a week? All my geniuses out there? A bunch? What was that? 168 hours in the week? I love Cheryl. 168 hours in the week, and God is saying, Sunday, just one more. That's all. Just, I'm just asking for one, one of those 168, uh, an additional one. And we're going, we're going for it. I believe that pleases the Lord, and to see the results of what that looks like. Jesus invites us to triumph with him through submission to the Lord, through preparing the way for the Lord. I want to close out with this scripture, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Miss Vicki, once you write that down, if you don't mind coming on up and using your gift to glorify God. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thank God, He has made us captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Let me bring something out of here just, just quickly. Matter of fact, can you stand just for a moment? Because I want to have this. I know you've been looking me in the eye, but just on a different level. Kind of adjust our mindsets here for a moment. He says here in 2 Corinthians 2.14, He has made us captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Being a captive to the world leads to death. Being a captive in the kingdom of God in Christ's triumphal procession leads to death that results in life. See, Jesus' triumphal entry took him to a place of death, and that was for us. But ultimately, just three days later, it led to life. And where is Jesus right now? He is sitting at the right hand of God, making intercession for me and for you. And he's praying things like this. God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit and, and through Aaron's heart that he would be triumphant. That Jen would be triumphant as she serves her family, as she serves her church. As you guys do the things that he has called you to do. We have been made captives in the kingdom of God. And we are led along in Christ's triumphal procession. And he uses us. He uses you. Point to yourself. He uses you to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere. It is like a sweet perfume. It goes on in this thing here to say, you know, to some folks who are going to receive Christ, you're like a sweet smelling perfume. You know, there's some people that you know who they are when they enter the room just because they always wear the same perfume or whatever. You know, you know who they are. Hopefully it's for a sweet smell. 
But to others who want to reject Christ, you're the smell of death. Wow, that's like heavy, isn't it? But here's the thing. Either way, we're the fragrance of Christ. It's a triumphant, triumphant fragrance to those who are coming to the kingdom of God. I would have you smell your neighbor, but that would just get really awkward really quick. So don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> Stop it, Dean. <laughs> Will you be the fragrance of life to those who need Jesus this week? Remember back at the video where Peter said this? Call on his name because he saves. Hosanna in the highest. He saves. You've been equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit to triumph because of the work and the example of Jesus Christ. So let's be triumphant this week. Amen? I want to ask you this morning, if you're here and you've never received Jesus' triumphant victory of life, understand that he died upon the cross for your sin, and you've never made that verbal com uh, confession of, Lord, I acknowledge my sin, and I also acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I want to receive salvation today and be assured of heaven. If you've never prayed that prayer, can you just slip up your hand real quick so I can pray for you, and I'll know who I'm praying for. Anybody at all? You want to receive Jesus today? Anybody? All right, so we have an opportunity, believers, to go out. And what this said right here, you have been equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit to triumph. I'm going to have Matt's going to come up here, and he's going to dismiss us in prayer here in just a moment. And Matt, I, I, I'm not trying to tell you what to pray or anything like that because you're a man who's led by the Holy Spirit and all of that. But man, here's what I'm praying, that you would triumph this week. Understand the areas where, you know, I need, to, I, need to, I need to trim this away because I just need to make more, of, more room for the Lord. Amen? I love you. Stasha loves you. We are so looking forward to next week. And uh, if you have any questions at all this week, please call me. Let me know as it relates to two services or, you know, we've got Monday Motivation. Uh, West is making his presence known. He's like, man, that was a good nap. You need to preach more often. Monday motivation tomorrow night, so come on out for that. Wednesday night, the egg stuffing. Thursday, hello neighbor. Friday, flashlight egg hunt and the crosswalk. Saturday, oh, nothing. It's a free day, and then uh, two services on Sunday. So we love you. And uh, Matt, if you'll come on up and pray for us, Matt and Jen. <laughs>